When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, as fans, it's hard for us to understand why professional athletes in their prime will just walk away from the game. When they do, it often leaves us wondering, what if? You're Behind the Mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, getting it going. No papers today. NFL historians, if you want to listen, fine. And it's not necessarily for you. Please support the podcast. But those who already know this stuff, well, whoopee freaking do. I am impressed. But for those who don't, welcome. This is for those who don't know as much. So we are just here to enlighten. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always here to learn. It's the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports podcast network, bellyupsports.com. Check us out. Great website, great articles. And you can find not only my show, but others on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Just a quick thought. Over the weekend, I, I just felt like I wasn't footballed out. I just felt like I needed to be doing something else at some point. I, if This is my weekends. These are my weekends. Saturday, I wake up. I eat a little breakfast. I watch game day, you know, from 8 to right there at 11, and I go right into the games. My remote is, con- is constantly in my hand. I'm flip-flopping all over the country watching all of these college football games. And then by nighttime, I'm I'm kind of footballed out, unless it's something that's really holding my interest. But I'm still watching even with one eye open. Sunday, yeah, I'll go to church. But even after that, it's football all day, all the way until Sunday night football is over with. So I, I just, I guess what I'm saying is I kind of felt bad. Like I should have been a little bit more productive. I was preparing for the show. I was doing that, but... Anyway, let's get right to it. We're going to start off with kicking off the week four, the rundown. Week four in the NFL kicked off in Cincinnati, Ohio, with a reunion of sorts. Ohio native and Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer returned. We know of his collegiate accolades as a head coach. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State, three-time national champion. He had a cushy job with Fox, and he left out of pure convenience to coach the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. Why? 
Trevor Lawrence. And it also helps when you have a house in Florida. So, it was not looking good so far. And I still maintain that Meyer will not make it past two years. If I'm wrong, good. But if I'm right, USC. It was a college football playoff rematch between the last two number one picks in the NFL draft. The Bengals Joe Burrow and the Jaguars Lawrence. It looked good for Jacksonville at halftime. They led 14 to nothing. Lawrence for the game would finish with 204 yards through the air, no touchdowns. And he rushed for 36 more yards and he actually ran for a touchdown. Second half, Burrow and the Bengals outscored Jacksonville 24 to seven. And they finished the, with a game-winning field goal from Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson. The Jaguars are now 0-4 on the season and have a 19-game losing streak, the second longest in NFL history. Ouch. Urban, by the way, you might want to stay out of those Ohio bars, even if they're your own. Oh, both the Washington football team and the Atlanta Falcons were looking for their second win of the season. Quick side note, is it just me, or is Chase Young the best defensive end with no sacks? He had seven and a half last year. He was defensive rookie of the year. I know he's really good, but think on that. Moving on. Taylor Heineke, he's a true gem of a quarterback for Washington. Is he a franchise guy? Probably not, but he's good enough. I think he's good enough. And between he and wide receiver Terry McLaurin, the Washington football team completed a comeback in Atlanta that was capped off by J.D. McKissick's high-flying midair, reaching for the pylon, game-winning touchdown reception while he was 10 feet in the air on his back. Do I feel bad for the Falcons? Yes, but just when they seem that they'll finally get a W, certain victory is snatched away by defeat. Good luck next week in London against the New York Jets. Washington 34, Atlanta 30. Speaking of New York, I'll try to roll two games into one, okay? Here we go. The New York Jets and the Giants came into Sunday with a goose egg, no wins. And let's just say it worked out for both squads. Jets wide receiver, new acquisition, Corey Dash Davis, he welcomed his former team, the Tennessee Titans, into MetLife Stadium, and he had a nice game. Four catches, a buck 11, and it included a 53-yard touchdown catch that was perfectly placed by rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. He threw for 290 by, the, by, by himself, you know, his, his own self. That was an impressive game that Zach Wilson had. Down 24 to 17 though, the Titans tied the game, sent it into overtime. The Jets, they kick a field goal to go at 27-24. And then with some seconds left to go, Titans kicker Randy Bullock, Titans fans forgive him, he went wide left. Robert Sala and the Jets, they get their first win of the season. And you know what? I don't blame Ryan Tannehill. The Titans have no offensive line. Seven more sacks, seven. Seven. Yes, Derrick Henry had over 150 yards rushing, but it doesn't help when both of your starting receivers are out and you got to have somebody to throw to other than the little scat back. You know what I mean? You can't throw the football to him all the time. Somebody has to get open on their own, man. It's got to. Meanwhile, in New Orleans, I wonder what Saints head coach Sean Payton thinks about at night. I'm pretty sure. It's probably about that guy that works for NBC. Life after Drew Brees. This is why the first week of the NFL season should be thrown in the trash can. What you see could be a total mirage. Week one, what happens? James Winston, 
Winston throws five touchdown passes on a short field. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they have zero. Since that opening week, Winston has thrown three touchdowns, two picks, he's been sacked seven times. I'm not putting all of it on Jameis Winston, but as a team, New Orleans is on the struggle bus. Hit the bell, get off. The New York Giants, like the Jets, the Giants forced overtime after being down in the fourth quarter, 21 to 10. Saquon Barkley, he has a walk-off six-yard run in overtime for the win. Daniel Jones, he doesn't lead them in rushing this week, but he throws for a career-high 402 yards. Nice game. Very nice game. And by the way, it's the first time in NFL history both New York teams win in overtime on the same day. How about that? One day, I will have something more to say about the Bills in a game, you know, during this season other than they blew somebody out again and it could be this time next week because they have the kansas city chiefs on sunday night football this time though they beat the houston texans 40 to nothing it's like watching college football or alabama it's 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 not a game it's not being a contest out after the steelers lost they've turned into they turned green they turned into the hulk on everybody the buffalo defense is real they forced five turnovers Rookie Davis Mills, he throws four picks, and the Buffalo Bills recover a fumble. Not looking good for Houston. They'll have the first pick, I think, again, uh, between them and Jacksonville, flip a coin. Anyway, so there was a play in the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears game on Sunday that epitomized, yet again, the Lions as a franchise. Please forgive me, Lions fans. Detroit drives to the Chicago 8. Quarterback Jared Goff, he's walking up to the line like quarterbacks often do, calling out signals, making adjustments, and then his center, Frank Ragnow, snaps the football. The ball goes off of Goff's shoulder and into the hands of Bears defensive line uh, lineman Bilal Nichols, I think is his name. Typical. Typical. Justin Fields, though, he rebounded, had a better game. He threw for over 200 yards, but the Bears' running game was on point. Even though they lost him, David Montgomery had 106 yards. He had the knee injury. Um, haven't heard any updates. They fear that it's a torn ACL. Uh, haven't read or caught up today. But one day, we will look back on Lions head coach Dan Campbell when he is long gone from Detroit. Because he's next. I'm just going to tell you now. We will remember one thing. All he wanted was his team to bite kneecaps. Bears 24, Lions 14. I start to ask one of my buddies, Quentin, if you're listening, on Sunday if his Indianapolis Colts would win a game. They finally did before I could get around to it. And one thing I learned from Indy's 27-17 win on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins, the Fish need a quarterback really, really bad. And I also thought I saw Ray Finkel celebrating a punt that was down inside the five uh, for the Dolphins. But maybe I'm tripping. It's the uniforms, man. He had on number five. All right, Dak Prescott, he throws four touchdowns. But the Dallas Cowboys, they ran the football 245 yards, 245 yards. Say that again. Stop tripping over my words against the uh, the Carolina Panthers. Zeke Elliott, his first 100 yard game of the season. He had a buck 43. Carolina had a number one defense coming into Sunday. But you have to consider who they played. The Jets, the Saints and the Texans, whom coming into Sunday ranked 30th, 31st, 
and 25th in total offense. Excuse me. In total defense. Defense. They ranked 30th, 31st, and 25th in total defense. The Cowboys came in ranked number five. Cowboys 36, Panthers 28. And it wasn't really that close. Now, while I'm waiting on the highest bidder for the NFL Sunday ticket for next season, I'm currently watching Red Zone. Okay, every time they went to the Browns and Vikings game in the Metrodome, it seemed like Cleveland was always and perpetually in the red zone, going for it on fourth down and not making it, not getting the first down at all. The Vikings, former offensive coordinator, he returns to Minnesota. He's the current Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski. He got the 14-7 win in Minnesota, and it was all defense really on both sides. But by the way, Vikings left tackle, Rashad Hill, my dude was getting whooped. And understand that Miles Garrett is a beast and he's swollen in places where we wish we were. But if anybody else saw that play in the fourth quarter where he literally put the palms of his hands in Hill's chest, and I think Hill is like 6'7", like going for almost 500 pounds. I'm kidding, but he's huge. He put his hands in his chest, put him on the ground, before he firmly planted Kirk Cousins into the ground. And the bad part is, is that he only got a half a sack for that. They should have gave him the whole thing. Anyway, the cream eventually rises to the top. So we're not fooled by Kansas City's record. They came in one and two. And as a matter of fact, a lot of poses will be unveiled by the season's end. But Patrick Mahomes, they go into Philadelphia against the Eagles. He throws five touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 11 catches, a buck 86, and three touchdowns. Very easy points for me. I'm undefeated, by the way. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he rushes for 100 yards. The Chiefs' offense is fine, but their defense is dog food. I looked at thefootballdatabase.com on Sunday and could not believe my eyes. Kansas City's defense is 31st in the league. We're going into Sunday, 31st. I'm not trying to take anything away from Jalen Hurts, but he did throw for 387 yards on Sunday. And I'm not saying that that defense, the defense is 31st, okay? And they're all professionals, but I'm proud of that dude. He threw for 387. But just a couple of quick notes. On Friday, former Eagle running back, LaShawn McCoy, he signed a one-day contract with Philly and officially retired as an Eagle. And it was cool he was in that corner when Cheetah scored that touchdown holding the football in his right hand and hitting the pylon with his left. Yeah, yeah, he got away with that one. I'll take it. They still gave it to him. And also, after his 42-30 win in his return to Philadelphia on Sunday, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid is the first coach in NFL history to record 100 wins for two teams. Inside joke. Do you like that, Kirby? <laughs> I, you were the first person I thought about. Inside joke, people. Inside joke. So, we had two starting quarterbacks to go down on Sunday. The 49ers lost Jimmy Garoppolo to a calf injury, and he was replaced in the second half by rookie Trey Lance. He provided a little bit of spark, but he's clearly not ready. Okay? Clearly not ready. And the Seattle Seahawks, they go into Santa Clara, and they hold on to a 28-21 win. The Seattle offense finally woke up this week after sleeping for three. Russell Wilson was pulling plays out of his butt again. The defense played a little bit better. And as I go back to that list of the NFL leaders in total defense, guess who was last in the league? Seattle. You have got to be kidding me. Get it together. Come on. Come on, people. All right. 
Denver, the Broncos, they come in 3-0. They hosted the 2-1 Baltimore Ravens. The game was tight, tied at seven with about, what, six and a half minutes to go before the half. Then Lamar Jackson, he launches a 49-yard bomb to Hollywood Brown, who, after knowing all of the passes that he's dropped this season, this dude, it was a beautiful outstretched catch that Marquise Brown made. He caught the ball with both hands, his face mask, and his chin, and I think he probably put some teeth marks in it too. He was not letting go of that one. So this all happened just before halftime, and also before halftime, Teddy Bridgewater, he was knocked from the game with a concussion, and the game basically fell apart from there. Lamar and the Ravens, they won this game, not on the, uh, on the ground, but through the air. He had 316 yards passing. And we know the Ravens, they're a running team, but check this out. The Pittsburgh Steelers from 1974 to 1977, they set the record for the most consecutive games rushing for 100 or more yards with 43. 43 straight games with over 100 yards rushing, right? On Sunday, Baltimore at the end of the game, they picked off the replacement, uh, Drew Locke in the red zone, in the end zone rather, with only a few seconds left in the game. John Harbaugh, he calls for the Ravens' office to go back on the field instead of taking a knee. They had 97 yards rushing on the day. The Ravens have a 42-game streak rushing for 100 or more yards. Lamar keeps the ball on the final play. The Ravens finish the game with 102 yards rushing. They're going to break that record next week, no doubt. And speaking of Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they score the first touchdown of the game in Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers. Roethlisberger, he throws his 400th touchdown pass. This one goes to Deontay Thompson. They took a 7-0 lead, and that was it for the Pittsburgh offense. It's like, and I've described this to friends this week, it's like looking at a 40-year-old rusty car with brand-new rims, tires, and tinted windows. The car has grinding brakes. There's black smoke that comes out of the tailpipe. The gas leaks out of the radio. It's just terrible terrible you have all of this flash you have Najee Harris and receivers like Juju and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and they even got uh Fairmuth the the, the the tight end that they drafted right and then on defense you have Devin Bush and Big Money TJ Watt Minka Fitzpatrick but it's all just a bunch of flash at this point I love you Big Ben it's not so much on the defense as it is the offense because the, the offense is not making things easy for the Pittsburgh defense Ben, it's time to go. A friend of mine said to me last week, y'all need to find a way to get Deshaun Watson. I'm not sure if that's the total answer, but that is definitely the level of quarterback that we need in Pittsburgh. Not much to say about the Packers. Aaron Rodgers and them boys, they did what they're supposed to do at home. And by the way, it would be the first time that Roethlisberger and Rodgers faced each other since a game that I would rather not talk about, Super Bowl 45. And the crazy thing is, neither one of them have been back to the Super Bowl since that day in Dallas. Hmm. Look, I'm totally on the Los Angeles Rams as being the team to beat in the NFC. But I think they just faced the hottest offense in their own division in the Arizona Cardinals. I've been raving about their defense, but nobody's perfect. The Rams gave up 465 yards and 37 points. What, what am I supposed to say about that? There's nothing that I can't say about that. There's nothing that I can't say about that. And then there's the game that everybody was waiting on. Uh, yes, they were waiting all week or all day for Sunday night. The return 
Tom Brady back in Foxborough. Woo! And Bill Belichick and his new rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. So, I mean, it was great. I couldn't wait for it myself. Let's see. All right, what happened? Little recap. All right. Brady with Drew Brees on the sideline becomes the NFL's all-time passing yardage leader. Brees had like 80,358 to be exact. Brady surpassed that. New England, they couldn't run the ball. At one point, the Patriots had minus one yard rushing and Brady had six. The Patriots finished with minus one yard rushing. Okay, Mac Jones, he fell to Belichick in the first round to the Patriots at 15. And I honestly believe that is what, where he was supposed to be drafted. That's where he was supposed to go. He had that Bucks D figured out for the most part. I'm not saying that the boy was perfect. Not saying that at all. But compared to Brady, passing-wise, Jones outplayed Tom. Jones was 19 of 40 with two touchdowns. And at one point, he completed 19 straight passes. They were playing in, in a monsoon. They were both playing in the same weather. So I don't want to hear it. To be fair, though, to be fair, Tampa's top three corners were all injured. And one of them got injured, injured quad during the game. And they just brought Richard Sherman in on Wednesday. Later in the game, they lost their starting strong safety, Antoine Winfield Jr., to a concussion. Their secondary was thin. And the Bucks' defense still played good enough to keep the game close. And Brady was a bit off. Okay? Too many penalties as well. Too many missed opportunities in the red zone. Brady said as much after the game. And then there was the missed field goal. The pass defense, they kept Tom Brady without a touchdown pass, by the way. No Gronk, but you have to remember, Belichick and all his years with Brady alongside offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, they know Brady as much as anyone. You have to understand that. So they were ready for him. 20 years of tape. And to Brady's credit, he got it done. The Bucs ran the football. They got a game-winning field goal. New England, they put together, put together a uh, drive there in the fourth quarter. Nick Folk, he missed a 56-yarder. Shadoink, Bucks 19, Patriots 17. One final thing on the game, Steve Belichick, that dude can make some serious faces. Uh, Halloween is close, so I, maybe he's practicing or he was on something. I don't know which one. Final game, Monday Night Football. The lightning delay before the game, that should have told you all, should have told you who was going to win that game. And when it finally kicked off 30 minutes later, the Chargers, the LA Chargers, and the Las Vegas Raiders, they were in a defensive back and forth in the beginning and then came the points courtesy of the Bolts. By halftime, the Chargers led 21-0. And the Raiders, they had more penalty yards at halftime than they had yards on offense. So say what you want to, stop with, stop with the penalties, Raiders fans. Understand that. If you look at what the Raiders have done over the first three weeks as well, of this season they've been playing these tight games every week and it took overtime to beat the Ravens they finally finished the Steelers in the fourth quarter with under three minutes to go when the Steelers closed within six it was 23 to 17 as a matter of fact and of course they were down 14 nothing against Miami before scoring 25 straight points and then Miami forced overtime before the Raiders finally put them away with a field goal to win it so you know, how many times you gonna do that, right? Last night, the Raiders closed to within seven, 21 to 14 in the fourth quarter, but they had no answer for Austin Eckler. He had 145 total yards and two scores. Your final from SoFi, Chargers 28, Raiders 14. Next, 
very long rundown but that stuff is fun man we continue to talk about the greats whose careers were cut short not all of them were great great but they were cut short not by choice but first those who simply walked away i must say that i have a new level of respect for all those football players who not only were able to make it to the league but were able to leave on their own terms as for those who got hurt I mean, you don't have any control over that. You got the radio guys and the guys in television and the analysts who talk about injury-prone players and such like. I don't totally understand that, but you don't exactly choose to get hurt. But after all of the research and the reading that I've done on some of the, and the backstories that I read on this group that I'm about to talk about, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. They were really smart. Jim Brown was selected ninth overall by the Cleveland Browns in 1957. And if anything, anything, anything told you how good he was going to be, it would have been week nine, his rookie year against the L.A. Rams, when he ran for 237 yards. Not only did he finish the season winning rookie of the year, he was named NFL MVP. Brown was an all-pro nine, all nine years of his career. And the only time he didn't make first-team All-Pro was in 1962. Three-time NFL MVP, made the Pro Bowl every season, and he also led the league in rushing yards eight times. And eight times. And rushing touchdowns five times. And finally, the Pro Football Hall of Famer helped the Browns reach the NFL title game three times, and they won it all in 1964. Keep in mind, when Brown first got to the league, they only played 12 games. After his first four seasons, they switched to 14. And the dude's running for 1,500, 1,400, 1,600 yards, and he never missed a game. Let me ask you a question, though. Have you ever heard of an NFL MVP retiring the year after he wins it? Yeah, that happened. In 1965, he led the league in rushing yards, 1,544, and he led with touchdowns with 17. And he retired at age 30 to pursue acting now when i first read about this or heard about this years ago i'm like oh the guy from i'm gonna get you sucker jim brown he retired so he could do that yeah that, that's what he did the story in itself is really interesting he was on the set of the dirty dozen i've never seen it i've seen highlights of it but that's when he announced his his retirement beforehand though he was heading into the final year of a two-year $60,000 deal with the Browns. And because Art Modell was fining him $100 a day, Brown wrote a letter 
to the Cleveland owner, letting him know that he would be retiring. In July of 66, he made the announcement from that movie set. Clearly, there's more to life than football. And since his retirement, he's been in 44 movies, 17 of which Jim Brown was in the lead role. Impressive. When Jim Brown retired, though, he was the NFL's all-time leading rusher with 12,312 yards. That record stood for what, 12, 13? Uh, I gotta count. It, it stood till 1984 when Chicago Bears running back Walter Payton surpassed him. And we all know that it was Emmitt Smith, who's the current all-time leading rusher. And he broke Payton's record of 16,726. Emmitt has 18,000 yards. You know what I'm saying? Barry Sanders should have that record, period. In my mind, and I know it's an opinion, but to me, he's the greatest running back of all time. He averaged 1,500 yards per season and 10 touchdowns. He's a 2,000 yard back. He was an all pro. Uh, he was an all pro. He was a six time pro, first team all pro, and a four time second team all pro. Every season, he was an all pro. How do you do that? Explain that to me. He made the Pro Bowl every year. He was an MVP in 1997, Offensive Rookie of the Year, of course, and he led the league in rushing four times, Pro Football Hall of Famer, no brainer. After 10 years, he decided to retire in the summer of 1999, one day before training camp, 1,458 yards away from breaking Walter Payton's all-time rushing record. That close. Now, he clearly retired on top and healthy. That's the key, healthy. But in all due respect to the Detroit Lions and their fans, consider this. The last playoff win the Detroit Lions had was in 1991. And although they made the playoffs a couple more times during various time in Detroit, look at these win totals in his final three seasons. They won five, nine, and five games. It was not getting any better. It wasn't. And that made his decision easy. Then there's head coach Bobby Ross. Keep this in mind, in the 10 years that Barry Sanders played eight of them he was with head coach then head coach Wayne Fonts Bobby Ross takes over and they don't exactly mesh okay they, they didn't exactly get along and there were some decisions that Ross made uh, Detroit people know this well Ross it gave him a June 1st deadline back up to Jim Brown Art Modell had given Jim Brown a deadline as well. Neither one of these running backs, these, these athletes were going to be told what to do. Period. Neither one. And Bobby Ross, I read that he wrote several records of uh, letters, phone calls, no response from Barry Sanders. A day after making his, his retirement official, he was on a plane to London, vacation mode. I didn't, it didn't exactly end well though, between Sanders and the Lions, financially. According to the Detroit Free Press, quote, an estrangement between Sanders and the Lions ensued because of a dispute over money. An arbiter ruled that Sanders had to repay more than five and a half million and forego another 1.75 million of his $11 million signing bonus that he had received. He retired before all of that stuff was supposed to be set in motion. So he had to pay some of that back. And eventually, Sanders and the Lions patched things up in 2017. I mean, they were, I read basically where they were getting rid of players that 
it was like they were stripping the team down from some of the better players, the players that on defense as well as offense that he depended on. And two of them, I think it was Benny Blades and Lomas Brown. These are two guys that he mentioned by name, I believe, in his book. I need to get that book, by the way. Um, one year later, though, this happened all in 1999 when he made his retirement official. One year later in 2000, staying in the NFC North, by the way, running back Robert Smith opted to retire after an eight-year pro career. The Minnesota Vikings selected Smith in the first round out of Ohio State in 1993. I remember watching Ohio State back then, even watching Kirk Herbstreit, and they, I don't know if it was just me, and I have to ask around. I've never even Googled this. It just dropped in my head. It seemed like their helmets were kind of like long. Y'all ever seen the movie Alien? That's kind of, their helmets looked a little bit long in the back at one point. Am I crazy? Hopefully I'm not. Anyway, the first four years were not great while he was in Minnesota, but it was the last four that began to really define his career. From 97 to 2000, Smith averaged 1,247 yards per season. He made two Pro Bowls and was a second team All-Pro in 2000. His final year, as it turned out, he rushed for over 1,500 yards for the first time in his career. Then he retired. At the time, it was somewhat a mystery. Later, he explained that it was more about the preservation of his future health. In a Sports Illustrated interview, he said as much and added that he had issues with his right knee. And as a matter of fact, although he played in all 16 games for the first time in his career that final year, he needed surgery on that knee. Retire on top healthy. I don't blame him at all. <laughs> a lot of lines on this list, y'all. All right, so this is just so Detroit Lions. I'm really on y'all today. I'm sorry. Don't cuss me out. Two future Hall of Famers. Well, two Hall of Famers because Calvin Johnson is in the Hall of Fame now. Oops, I already said it too early, didn't I? Two Hall of Fame players who retire early. Of course, you know what I'm talking about. So I already spilled the beans. But... You have a wide receiver that's built like a hybrid tight end linebacker truck, a 6'5", 240-pound dude that can run like a freaking deer. And who picks a wide receiver out of Georgia Tech who played under Paul Johnson who ran like the wishbone? Number two overall on top of all that. And the Detroit Lions, they did that. The Lions stunk for the majority of his nine years there, and they only made the playoffs twice. Two times, they won double-digit games, and the rest of the time, they were sub-500, including 2008 when they went 0-16. But he was one of the few bright spots on that team. Three-time first-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, even holds the NFL record for receiving yards in a season. Megatron was straight up about why he retired. He retired because the franchise was terrible, and on top of that fact, he was hurting after nine years in the league. He would have retired in 2014, except he had a visit with his father in Georgia when he told his pops that, and I'm going to quote him, they're blowing up the team. My body is aching. I don't have my range of motion like I used to. I can't get out. I can't dig like I used to. I just don't feel it. I just don't have the love for it because I was just always hurting. I just don't have it, end quote. And his dad simply asked him if he could do it one more time. And Johnson said... Cool. Yeah, I can. I, I can. He went out and he had another Pro Bowl season. And then he announced his retirement after the 2015 season. And also, just like Barry Sanders before him, 
there was a money dispute because Johnson was forced to pay back 1.6 million of his signing bonus that he signed from what was it an eight year extension back in 2012 and he still wants that money back Pat Tillman wasn't a superstar he was drafted in the seventh round by the Arizona Cardinals out of Arizona State but he worked to the point where he was the starting safety for the Cards, and he racked up more than 374 tackles, including 155 in 2000, 120 solo tackles that year. Not long ago was the 20th year anniversary or 20-year anniversary of the September 11th, 2001 terrorist attacks. And not long after that happened, Pat Tillman had turned down a three-year, $3.5 million contract to stay with the Arizona Cardinals. Instead of signing that contract, he and his brother Kevin Tillman joined the Army Rangers and eventually were in Iraq and in Afghanistan. They did tours there, being a part of the 2nd Battalion 75th Ranger Regiment that was based at Fort Lewis in Washington. Tillman left his NFL career at 24 years of age. Now, a lot of these other guys that I talked about, they were either forced or they retired at the age of 29, and he left at 24. While in Afghanistan, though, on April 22nd, 2004, matter of fact, my son was born that day, Pat Tillman was killed by friendly fire. Pat Tillman clearly had other priorities, and his country went to the top of the list after those attacks in 2001. I don't blame him. The Arizona Cardinals retired his number 40, in 2006, they had an eight-foot bronze statue of him unveiled outside of the stadium. And what and it sits in what is now called Pat Tillman Freedom Plaza, I believe it still is, around that stadium. Not too many people, though, can say they actually gave up their sports careers to give up their lives. He did that. One thought I had as I reflected back on Jim Brown during, um, well, Jim Brown and Barry Sanders when I was doing this research, um, they retired on their own terms. And they, not only that, but they had their futures and they had plans and goals already intact. Not everybody has that. Some of these guys that play football now, not saying all of them, but there's some that they say, well, I'm playing professional sports and that's all. Other than that, they try to start a business or something like that, which that's fine. But just talking about these guys, they had their priorities in order. They didn't have to play forever and ever and ever and ever. And believe me, the NFL career, the average NFL career, I think is around three years, three or four years. And that doesn't include you being hurt. It's because you just can't do it anymore. And there's a lot of running backs on this list as well. And understand that the shelf life of a running back in the league is the, the I've said it before it's the same as the shelf life of a banana you don't last long you really don't so that's why I respect the ones who did it for as long as they did and I really like respect Emmitt Smith who did it on all three levels for a, a really long number of years even though those Arizona Cardinal years I'd rather forget but they had their goals outside of football and if you look back at Jim Brown he knew what he wanted to do away from football he wanted to become a movie star. Barry Sanders, he made all the money that he needed. Had all the accolades in college. He won a Heisman Trophy. He was an NFL MVP. Now, he didn't win a championship on either one of those levels. 
But if you look at the personal things that he uh, accomplished, not saying that he put those in the forefront because that man was a very humble and a simple guy, which really is going to lead into my next point. But when you have all those accolades and everything, you can afford to walk away. Financially, you're stable. Both of them walked away healthy and on their own terms. So did Robert Smith. Same thing. He had his, his stuff together. And the next thing I see is he's on ESPN. He's doing college football games and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, wow, it's Robert Smith. Over the years, I learned that Barry Sanders was a very frugal guy. And uh, I don't know if he is still, but, I mean, the man had to have saved his money. He's not the spurging type, okay? And he's a simple dude, seemed to me, and and look. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He had all his needs provided and he didn't go too far over his limits. What I'm saying is he wasn't excessive. And about all of these guys who walked away on their own terms in the end. See, we think like fans, you're supposed to play forever until we say you can go or that it's time for you to go. In the end, their plans are not our plans. Now we continue with the list of those who did not exactly want to walk away from football. They didn't have a choice. I always wondered during the end of the college football season, it's time for the Heisman finalists to be in New York. And that night they have all the Heisman winners in the room. Um, and then I see Billy Sims, the Heisman trophy winner out of Oklahoma. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, he's the one that's always the loudest one in the room. Okay. I always wondered without doing any research, what happened to him in the NFL? At one point, I was like, did he play in the NFL? And he did. Well, what happened to him? Well, here's what happened. Billy Sims, the running back who won that Heisman in 1978 for the Oklahoma Sooners, he was selected number one overall in the 1980 draft. And I also found out another tidbit from him about him today. He was an older guy as a rookie. He was 25 years old when he got into the league. You're talking about these guys, they retired at, they left the game at 24, or they, they retired at 29. Well, he was kind of on par because, well, he got into the league at 25 years old. He was born in 1955. But he was selected number one overall in 1980 by the Detroit Lions. A lot of Lions, I keep saying that. Sims was well on his way to having made, you know, three straight Pro Bowls. He was a first team and second team All-Pro earlier in his career. Week 8, though, in 1984 against the Minnesota Vikings, they, like Michael Irvin, had to deal with 
in Veterans Stadium, that dreaded carpet that, that was just so terrible, that artificial turf. Well, on a sweep to the right, he goes to plant to try to cut up, and his foot got stuck in the Metrodome carpet in the middle of a tackle being made by the Viking linebackers. What's his name? Uh, Walker Lee Ashley. What a name. He tore multiple ligaments in his right knee. His career was over after four and a half years, forced to retire. And he made it official actually in the summer of 1986. He, like many of these other guys, they tried to rehab and it just wasn't getting any better. The crazy thing is, is not only did the Lions draft his replacement five years later, but they gave him his number 20. Yeah, Barry Sanders, another Heisman winner. I think I'll double it up here. It's well known about Joe Theismann. Uh, he had been, you know, getting the best parts of his career. He was getting there after 11 years in the league. And then came that New York Giants Monday Night Football game. He suffers the compound fracture to his leg after that sack by Lawrence Taylor. He was forced to retire. They didn't have the medical, the, the medical advantages then as they do today. You tear your ACL back then, it's like a death sentence to your career. You know what I mean? The 82 Redskins, that Theismann quarterback, they won Super Bowl 17 during that strike-shortened season. Theismann was the quarterback. In 83, the Redskins ran through the league and into the Super Bowl 18. Even though they lost, Theismann was the quarterback. He was an all-pro that year. 33 years to the day, Washington quarterback Alex Smith suffered the same compound fracture, breaking his tibia and fibula. Both injuries for both of these quarterbacks for the same football team happened on November 18th. And both final scores were the same, 23 to 21. Watched to beat the Giants back in 85. And um, Smith's team lost to the Texans, in the Texans in 2018. And just this past year, after a great comeback, Alex Smith, he had to retire himself. His leg was never the same. And he almost actually died to the complications due to his leg. All you need to do is watch that documentary, that, that special on his leg. Wow. Wow. Bo Jackson, the Kansas City Royals outfielder by day and Los Angeles Raiders running back by night, <laughs> was one of the few setting the trend for two-sport professional athletes. The Heisman winner out of Auburn was an MLB all-star for the Royals in 89 and a pro bowler as a running back for the Raiders in 1990. I need another pair of those Bo Jackson shoes, by the way. When they came out, I had them. And when I watched that Heisman House commercial, he has those on. I need those shoes badly. Then came that playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals in 1991. Bo was pulled down from behind, running up the sideline on a run. He dislocated his hip. And he rolls over, and he claims to have popped it back into place. When he did this, he damaged some blood vessels around his hip and there was also a fracture that was later on found so fast forward to 2019 you remember Tua Tagovailoa's injury with his hip against the Mississippi uh, against Mississippi State in 2019 same thing and it's called a vascular necrosis basically meaning the loss of all cartilage around your hip his football career was over after only four years and he ended up having to get his hip replaced what could have been a lot of people know about shannon sharp but i know for a fact most of y'all didn't even see him play you watch the highlights you watch him talk and you see the highlights i watched him play but you should have watched his brother sterling sterling sharp 
<laughs> he he was he was very good. And as much as I liked Sterling Sharp back then, I was always mean mugging him because he was always challenging Jerry Rice because that was my man, Jerry Rice. In my opinion, Sterling Sharp should be in the Hall of Fame. Still, he still should be. First round pick, seventh overall out of South Carolina, SEC. Five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. He led the NFL in receptions three times, led him in touchdowns twice, and in back-to-back -back seasons, he broke Art Monk's reception record in the season, which was set at 106. He caught 108. He topped that by catching 112 passes the next year. Of course, my man Jerry did the same thing and then some. Okay, he accomplished this in only seven seasons. With everything he accomplished, Sharp was a little bit injury-prone, he had hamstring issues, and he, I think his final year, he had just come off of surgery on his toe. And what ended it all was a neck injury he suffered while blocking. Uh, they were playing the Atlanta Falcons. Brad Edwards, he went head-to-head. -head. It was on a running play. His head snaps back during the play. He had already been wearing this special harness. Get to that in a second. But apparently that injury caused damage to his vertebrae, which would require surgery. I remember towards the end, you know, basically even before that game, he had to wear this special harness that was made out of chin straps. Just go back and look, and then like button to the back of his helmet. And he was trying to keep his head stable. And apparently he had suffered nerve injuries that caused numbness and tingling in his limbs. And so he had to have surgery on his neck, which basically led to his retirement at age, what? 29. There's so many other ones uh, that I can go into. I'll give you a couple couple more man Altoon he was selected 10th overall in 1985 in that draft by the New York Jets he was a three-time all-pro uh pro a three-time pro bowler and a first-team all-pro in his second season and he would become one of only two players in NFL history to play less than 110 games and still catch over 500 passes the other was Hall of Famer Kellen Winslow Sr. his career ended at age 29, he suffered nine concussions in his career. And he was later diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome. And keep this in mind, 85, he was drafted. Jerry Rice was also selected in the first round of that draft. We know him as what, the greatest of all time, the greatest wide receiver of all time, right? Well, from 85 to 89, Altoon actually had more catches than Rice. 355 to 346, what if it might have been? David Pollock, you see him on college game day. He was a three-time All-American linebacker at Georgia. First pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Week two in his second year. He'd only played one year. His second game of his second year. He was going head up. Uh, he, he made a tackle on Cleveland Browns running back Ruben Drawns. He suffered a broken sixth cervical vertebrae and was taken off the field on the stretcher. He had to retire. You got pictures of him, you know, in the halo and everything. I'm proud of what he's doing now. Hey, look, stick close to the game. I tell my son all the time, even if you can't play, it's really nice to be able to stick close to the game and talk to the, talk about the game. Or with him, I say you can even coach the game. And I like it when these guys are still involved with the game, even though they can't play anymore. Then there's Tony Baselli, who was regarded still as one of the best offensive tackles ever. He only played six years. Made the Pro Bowl five times. Was an All-Pro three times. He suffered a serious shoulder injury that eventually just got worse and worse. And it actually started in college, according to him. And I read an article where he had two different surgeries in two months. 
by two different doctors. He wasn't very fond of the first surgery done in Jacksonville, by the way, and I'll leave that there. Apparently, even after rehab, it was over. And yes, he tried to come back in 2002 with the Houston Texans, but it never materialized. Then there's Priest, Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes came a long way. He had been a lower round pick, I believe it was, uh, by the Ravens and uh, out of Texas. He was a backup in Baltimore, and he still ran for uh, uh, ran for a thousand yards at least one year. Uh, it was one year that he that he did that. He ended up with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where his career really took off. From 2001 to 2003, he was an All Pro. Led the league in rushing in 2001. Led the league in rushing touchdowns back to back seasons after that. And then the injury bug got him. And then you have other guys like Jamal Anderson and Barry Foster, Icky Woods. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of guys who got got injured and we don't know what their careers would have been like. Uh, talking about more Lions, who remembers Mike Utley? You know, he was, uh, what, what was he? He was paralyzed for a minute. But I mean, he has all use of his extremities to my knowledge to this day right now. And there's even a picture from when uh, well, you, you can see the video where he actually came back to the Silver Dome. He came back to Detroit and walked out into the middle of the field. It was, and that was great. But not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets to do that. I do respect all of these players, even the ones that I didn't go over and go into detail about, the ones who were able to play. And even though their careers were cut short, some of them I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. I think Baselli should be a Hall of Famer. I believe that Sterling Sharp should be in the Hall of Fame. And I know that there's some that they just did not play long enough. You're playing, you know, two, three years, even though you were really good, Billy Sims. You was more college than pro, even though in the pros, you was a bad boy. But look, that's what it is. It is what it is at this point. And I honor all of them. I honor all of them. When you're able to walk away on your own terms, I like that. To me, that's smart. To me, that is probably one of the smartest things you can do is have your career set set up now if you want to keep playing that's your choice but if you don't that's your choice because at first i came into this thing thinking why you know at some point i was upset you know about about you know even from when it happened i remember when these guys retired or, or when they had to walk away and it was shocking when some of these guys retired and shocking when these guys couldn't play anymore because of injury and it was it was sad but it's like man what what might have been what could have been what if all right references thanks to sports Gita, the 10 greatest nfl players whose careers got cut short david barry gear the writer businessinsider.com article by scott davis in 2021 21 famous athletes who retired earlier than expected websites profootballhalloffame.com nfl.com sportsillustrated.com profootballreference.com and also, the undefeated Ryan Cortez, Jim Brown retires while on the set of The Dirty Dozen. Also, two articles from the Detroit Free Press giving recognition to Carlos Monerez and Dave Burkett. Also, Brian DiArdo of CBSSports.com, New York Daily News. Gary Myers writing in 2009, Cardinals pay tribute to Patch Tillman, fallen American hero. For the win, up under usatoday.com, excuse me, the New York Times, the jetpress.com, 
article by Michael Golden, New York Jets, looking back on the career of Al Toon, FanBuzz.com, Chris Picaro, what if Bo Jackson's hip injury never happens? Very interesting. This has been the Behind the Mic podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr., presented by Billy of Sports, Billy of Sports Podcast Network, BillyofSports.com. Check out this show, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Tell your friends, your family, and even those you hate and don't like, listen to my show or I'll find your house. Out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 